Welcome home. How you doing? Good. Good. Some of you are, are awake too. That's good. That's good. So glad you're here. Excited. Always excited to be together. Uh, if we have our kids, uh, they can be dismissed to Children's Church. God bless you. God bless the teachers. They're going upstairs to uh, learn uh, the gospel even deeper and better and come back and uh, we'll see you guys later. All right, wonderful. We're in week two of uh, our Speak Life series. This is going to take us all the way up to Easter. We're going to be learning uh, some of the most important words that you and I will ever speak to God and to each other, and we're going to be speaking them together. It's good. Uh, Last week, just to give you an intro for those of you who missed it, we looked at uh, Proverb 18.21. It's sort of a key verse that's going to guide us through the time that we have together. Let's look at that together. Proverb 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Basically, here's what we learned. The person, the clown who made up the expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, was a liar. Was a liar. They will kill us. In fact, we have healed physically from a lot of wounds uh, that we've forgotten about, but a lot of the words that have been spoken into our hearts and into our lives continue to wound us, and that is part of what we're going to be set free from. In fact, we looked at the fact that in Genesis 1, God started speaking life when he spoke creation. In Genesis 3, the enemy, Satan, started speaking death and speaking lies, lies, and since then, we've had the choice every time we open our mouths to speak life into someone or speak death. And we found out that when we speak, it does a number of things. First of all, it changes other people. When we speak to them, we leave them more alive or more dead than before we opened our mouths. We, it not only changes other people, it changes us because we see that those who love it will eat its fruit. The whole concept of eating your words, that's where it comes from. So whatever we speak grows in us. Not only that, it doesn't only change other people. It not only changes us, it reveals the contents of our hearts because Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our words are overflow. And finally, um, that our words, if we let Jesus speak life into us, that that overflows and then we can pour life, speak life into other people in the power of his resurrection, which means this, that when we speak life, dead things need not remain dead. Friendships, relationships, hopes, dreams, lives, souls can be transformed, can come back to life because that's his power and that's what we do. This week, we're going to be talking about speaking love. If you have a Bible, you might want to turn to 1 John chapter 4. If you don't have one, there's likely one under the seat in front of you. Um, And as we talked about last week with speaking life, uh, what we said was that what we are or aren't right here, right now, has a lot to do with whether people have spoken life over us or into us or not. Right? Similarly, 
what we are or are not here this morning has an awful lot to do with from the beginning of our lives, those who have spoken love into us or demonstrated love into us or not. And, and God wants to transform that, whether you're on, your, your, your love needle is on the E side or on the F side, you know, he, he just wants it to be overflowing, and he's going to take care of that. Uh, before we get into the text, what I want to do, we do this, we haven't done this in a while, so I want to, want to bring up our purpose statement. It reminds us what God has called us as a church to be. And it it connects with this whole series, and so we want to do that. So I'll ask you to sit up straight, rouse your brain, clear your throats, and say it with me like you mean it. We're called to be a growing, relevant family of missionaries who desire to see Western and Gunnison know Jesus Christ. This is our mission. This is a mission of love. You see it? Because of his great love for us, we then have the love to be a family. And because that love overflows not only for each other, but for those who are uh, far from God, who don't know how much he loves them, we become missionaries so that they can connect to the source of love who is Jesus Christ and know him because to know him is to love him, wouldn't you say? Okay, so this is a mission of love. It is all connected. Your life is meant, intended, created, designed to be a love story. Your life is created and designed and meant to be a love story. Here's the question, is it? Is it right now? Would you describe your life, your existence, your day-to-day as a love story? One of my friends who lives in San Antonio is a songwriter. <clears throat> he, doesn't li- uh, he doesn't listen to the podcast, so I'll say he ha- he's written a lot of forgettable songs. But this one, <clears throat> I love him, but, you know, we, we speak the truth here in love. Um, this one he really nailed. Um, I'm not going to sing it for you, but the, and, and <laughs> that's a blessing. The title is Unloved. And, and basically, the, the chorus is this haunting melody that says, unloved, I don't want to go unloved. I can't go on unloved. And the reason that I think that that song is so powerful is because I think he tapped in to the heart cry of humanity. That we can go without a lot of things, but being unloved, love is not one of them. We have this insatiable, desire, this craving, this hunger to be loved. I mean, think about it, right? Your favorite song, it's probably about love in one way or another. The movies that are nominated for the Academy Award, probably about love. The issues you're dealing with that that are gut-wrenching and heart-rending in your life right now have their roots in either not enough love, the wrong kind of love, unrequited love, love. So we have this enormous desire, and, 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 and when we can't find it, when we can't find that love, we, we, we need to have that gap filled. And so we find cheap substitutes, right? We compensate. We compensate, and, and I don't know. I'm just going to think about people that I've known in the past. They might use shoes, all right? <laughs> have you seen that YouTube thing on shoes? Yeah, yeah, I haven't. Um, 
They might use money. They might use shopping. They might use sex. They might use affection. They might use partners. They might use friends. Um, we might use television. We might use anything to distract us. Here in Goodison, what do we use? We use pets. Pets. When we can't find the love that we're supposed to have from God and other people, we use pets. Have you met my dog? It's ridiculous. No, I'm not knocking your pet. I'm knocking mine. I'm just saying it's a little, it's a little sad when we can't find that quality of love in people and in a relationship with God that it is most closely demonstrated in the love of our pets and for our pets. I'm not saying you shouldn't have that. I'm just saying it should have some big competition. And maybe it doesn't all the time. <clears throat> so we have this insatiable, insatiable desire to be loved. And, and not just any kind of love. Love that will stick no matter what. That will satisfy us through the years and the decades and a lifetime. A love that will transcend uh, circumstance and situation and and all the secrets that we keep, a love that won't fade or wrinkle or wear out, a love that will change us, a love that will overpower our fears, our hurts, all the baggage we bring in that, uh, you know, maybe from our families of origin, how we learned how to love, how we, just a train wreck of the way we understand love. We need a love that overwhelms that, that overcomes that, that makes us willing to risk to extend that love and receive that love. And, and that craving, that hunger that I just described, that's a great thing. That is a great thing. Sometimes the stuff that we substitute for, not great things. But the craving and the hunger is a great thing, and here's why. Because God wove that into who we are, into the DNA of our souls. There is this craving, there is this yearning, there is this need that needs to be satisfied with that kind of transcendent love and that we are left unsatisfied and, and not at rest and not at peace until we find it, until we're filled by it. So that's what we're talking about. Love is the deepest pleasure. I believe you would, you, you would agree with me. Most people would. That love is the deepest pleasure and the absence of love is the deepest pain. That, that we experience. And knowing this, knowing how Jesus created us in mercy and love, his greatest commandments are to line us up with a life that is a love story. Because when he was asked, what is the most important commandment? In Matthew 22, here's what he answered. He answered, the greatest commandment is this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He's lining us up to have a life of love with God. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So in mercy and love, he is lining us up, making it a commandment for us to receive the greatest joy. You're going to be in a love relationship, nonstop, overpowering, transcendent with me. And through that, that's going to overflow and you're going to love everybody else. If love is our greatest pleasure and the absence of love is 
the greatest pain. God is, in his mercy, lining us up to live a life that is a love story. To speak love and experience love in our relationship with him and each other. Okay. We're going to get into the text. Let's read it. We'll pray quickly, and then we'll, we'll study it, and we'll get you guys on the way. Okay. Um, 1 John chapter 4, let's pick it up in verse 7. We're going to read it as a whole, and then we'll break it down. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, another for love is from God, who, who, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is the love of God. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, excuse me, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides, lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. Let's pray. Father, for clarity, Lord, that you would cut through uh, all the boundaries that we have put up, all the misunderstandings that we have of you, of each other, of love, of our response to it, of our need for it. Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to see you, Lord Jesus, as the picture of the most incredible love, that we would perceive your offer to pour into us the, the love that we can't even ask for or imagine, and that that would transform us and cause us to not only be recipients, but be vessels as we pour it out to others. Lord, I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and their effects. I pray for the Holy Spirit that uh, you, Lord, would come and flood this place and change us completely. Uh, Lord, I confess my sinfulness, and I wish it was not so much, but I trust completely in your mercy and your grace. And Lord, uh, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. Um, excuse me just a second. We're going to ramp up and you need to fill the tank. Okay, as we look at this, as we look at this passage, right before we dig in, if you're a guy, I want to just give you a tip, just give you a heads up. If there is like a pet name that you have for your wife, or for your girlfriend, I don't know what, 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 like, you use the term like shorty now? That's like a good thing? Or, you know, I've, I've been dating myself, but, you know, snookums or, or sweetie or sugar lumps or what, what, whatever else. If there is something that you reserve and, and, and only use for the one that you love the most, and in her presence, call another woman that, things are not going to go well for you. Okay, just mark that down. You're getting that for free. The reason I bring that up is this, as we look at this passage in 1 John, verse 7, what God does is an awful lot like that. Look at the first word. 
Beloved, stop there. Now, that's you. He's talking about you. He is addressing this to you. And here he uses the word beloved. And, and the word in the Greek that he uses is agapatos, which is the root is agape. Now, this beloved, this word is the word that God the Father over and over and over again in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uses as his love name for his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, at his baptism, when God rips open the heavens and God the Father speaks audibly and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus is transfigured, the transfiguration, which basically is this, Jesus invites his three best friends up into the mountain to look under the hood, to view his deity and see him in all his glory. There's a cloud and God the Father says, this is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. This is God the Father's love name for Jesus. And he just applied it to you. He just applied it to you. Which the implications of that are insane. That as God the Father, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son are knit together in the most sublime, incredible, indescribable love relationship. God the Father describes Jesus with the love name beloved. He just attached that to you. The same love that God the Father has for Jesus, who are one in love, one in nature, he just used for you. He loves you that much. If we only knew, and we've said it here a lot, if we only knew how much he loves us, it would change everything. It would change the whole game. No more fear, no more hesitancy, no more thinking he's holding out on us. If we only knew, now you know. Okay, what does he want us to do with it? We look on. Here we go. Live that life of love. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Okay, that's seven. Look at that. He wants us to receive this uncontainable love and spread it out. Love one another. That's what we're supposed to do because love is from God. All this love, we had, a, we had a world full of people who were trying to love horizontally without hooking up to the reservoir, the source, the love power of God himself. Is it any wonder that we're breaking down, even in the church, even in those, we don't have it. I don't have that love inside of me. I mean, how many times have you come to that point in relationships, in circumstances, I can't do it anymore. I just don't have it. That's the answer of a person who does not have a realization and a hookup and a life into the source, the reservoir, the supply of love. Love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. This is not knowing about God. This is experiential. All right? We're going to get into that in just a second. Pick it up in nine. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. What does this mean? What does this mean? It means that if you want to see the ultimate, if you want to see the ultimate 
love, expression of love, demonstration of love, how love becomes real, the biggest love there ever was in creation, in the universe. Here it is. Here it is. In this, God's love was made manifest that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Sounds like John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have life everlasting. This is made manifest that God sent his only son. That's the picture of love. And we're born of God, like, like we read in that last verse, when God opens our eyes, opens our minds, opens our ears to see and hear and receive and experience exactly that, to see the sacrifice of Christ as the greatest example, as the greatest manifestation that God's love could ever have, could ever have. So let's look. It said God is love. If we could back up to eight. God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Later on it says anybody who does love does know God. Let's say God is love. What are we talking about here? Are we saying that God just loves? No, this is his very essence. It is in his self-written job description. You know, birds got to fly, fish got to swim. Gunnison's got to be cold as a well digger's tush. The Broncos got to disappoint and God's got to love. It is in his essence. It is who he is. Now, whoever does not love does not know God. Whoever does love does know God. This is easy to get turned around and we can't do it because if we, if we do, it'll make us not understand this whole passage because it makes people think that if I can love hard enough, if I can just, you know, find that love somewhere within myself that I can know God. No, you're getting the causal chain all tangled here. If we know God, then God lives in us through Jesus Christ and we become lovers. Okay, if we don't hook up here, if we don't know God through Christ, then he does not indwell us and we don't become lovers. And we're talking about a different kind of love. We must be talking about a different kind of love because it, it, it transcends that I love lamp. I love weekends. I love doing the wash when I find a $5 bill that my daughter left in her jeans. It's a different kind of love. What kind of love are we talking about throughout this passage? We're talking about not your garden variety love, not the love that I can gin up for somebody I'm genuinely fond of who makes me feel a certain way, who gives me something that I need. We're talking about a different kind of love here. We're talking about a love of a person of a, of a group, a gospel community, of a church, a degree, a quality of love that can only be described, that can only be explained by the supernatural presence of Jesus Christ loving others through us. If it's a normal, explainable love, we're not talking about that. 
if anyone who does not love like Jesus does not know God because God is love. Anyone who does love like Jesus knows God. That's a pretty tall order. The kind of love in our marriages for our children, for our friends, for those who irritate us to no end, who, who we wouldn't choose to be in the same room with because well, we have prejudices and hierarchies of, and you feel more moral than somebody else. Your love for that person, your love for people we don't know, have little in common with, have much in common with, is so extreme that it can only be explained by Jesus' love overflowing and loving others through us. You see the qualitative difference here? Okay. Okay. Let's go. Um, the manifestation of that love is the cross. God sent his only son into the world. We might live through him. Verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Okay, let's start at the beginning. This is love. We didn't start it. We didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what? I think I'll throw God a bone. I'm going to start loving him. We'll see what he does with that. I think I'm going to come to Bethany. I'm going to sing some of those songs they got. I might even take one of those free Bibles. I'm going to go home. I'm going to read it. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love God. Yeah, I'll try that. I've tried a lot of things. I think I'll give that a shot. No. And then, and then people who stay with that, they start getting real puffed up in their love for God. Hey, I love God more than Helen. I don't, but, you know, I'm going to look down on her because she didn't love God as much as her. She didn't make her mind up to love God more than me. No. We didn't start it. It's not that we love God. It's that he loved us. He chose you. He started loving you. The Bible says he loves you before he made you. Let that blow your mind a little bit. He loved you before time. And he's loving you and pouring out love. And one day he opens our eyes, he opens our ears, he opens our heart to receive that, to experience that, and get filled with that. And then he says, guess what? It's not just for you. We're not just recipients, we're agents. See, we have the burden of knowing how much God loves us and knowing how much he loves people who are far from him. And we know how much he wants people to know how much he loves them. So that's our job. Get filled up, get poured out, get refilled up, get re-poured out, because I want to love everybody back to myself. Because in that is life. I'm saving. I'm recreating. I'm on a rescue mission, and my weapon is love. And the way that I have demonstrated that most clearly is me sending me for my holiness to absorb my wrath so that I could overcome and defeat and destroy evil without destroying you. That's the message of the cross. That he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation 
for our sins. I will tell you now, if I said that word in my house as a kid, I'd be biting down on a bar of ivory soap just like that. Propitiation, I want to hear that word in my house. You keep that potty mouth outside with your friends. Propitiation is not a bad word. It's a great word. What does it mean? That means because God is a holy God that he can't have sin anywhere near him. But he wants us near him. He wants us with him. Here's the problem. You, me, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, everybody in between, it's filled with it. I mean, I'm really good at sinning. Thinking things I ought not think, saying things I ought not say, treating people not as the image of God that they are, compassionate and loving, and uh, I'm selfish. So if you're anything like me, here's the situation. God is holy. He wants us with him. We can't be with him like we are. For the forgiveness and the washing clean requires that somebody die. And Jesus said, let it be me. Okay? You were in the family room and you set the family room floor on fire. Biggest punishment you could ever imagine. And your older sister said, I did it. Punish me. Maybe it didn't unfold that way in your childhood. But that's what Jesus did for you. Bring him home. I'll pay. And so he became the absorption. He became the sin. He absorbed the wrath of God's holiness so that he could destroy evil without destroying us. Propitiation. Beloved, 11 says, he wants to remind us who we are. If God so loved us, and he does, we also ought to love one another. Okay, I just want to look at that word ought because it means different things. This is not, you should maybe think about this if you get some free time, if you have the inclination, you might should do this. You should wash the top of a Coke can before you drink from it. You ought to drive the speed limit through South Park. You ought to um, eat vegetables. I don't know. Like any of that's going to happen. This is not that kind of ought. This is the kind of ought that it is. Because God is love, and because when we receive Christ, he lives in us, because of that, that is not only his nature, it becomes ours. You understand? Birds got to fly. Fish got to swim. Followers of Jesus Christ got to love because he's in charge. He's pouring his love into those who belong to him at such a rate, in such a quantity, in such a transforming quality that their essence is love. I don't have to think about sweating. If I run far enough, imagine, okay, just stretch it. It's going to happen. I'm wired that way. You're wired that way. If we belong to Jesus Christ, you are going to be a lover in a supernatural, transcendent way. 
that's what it means. How do we do it? Real quick, speak life by loving. 1 John 3.18 says, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. That doesn't mean we don't say I love you. There are a lot of adults who are messed up because they say, I think my father loved me. I just never heard him say it. If you're a dad out there, say it every 45 minutes to your kids and to your wife. Women don't have this problem as much. But what this is saying is, if it's all talk, it's nothing. When action is needed, you do it. So that's what we're going to do. How do we love it? How do we do it? Three ways, quickly. We love extravagantly, over the top, lavishly. That's how we do it. When, when the situation calls for a tablespoon, we use a bucket. Why? Because that's how God loved us. The verse is Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For those who least expect it, for those who least deserve it, pour out the love extravagantly. Because when we couldn't be bothered with Jesus by refusing to follow him, We think he's holding back our joy. We're going to choose our own way. When we mock him by thinking we're good enough, we're morally superior, we don't need his sacrifice on the cross. When we mock him, when we ignore him, when we reject his call to come closer, to release the things that are holding us captive, to come and be washed clean, when we pretend not to hear his voice, all that time, at our worst, he loves us. What does that mean? If we're going to love with that kind of love, if we're going to let him love others through us, here's what it means. When your kids act unlovable, they seem committed to ruining their lives and yours. They reject every good thing you have tried to pray over them, speak into them, lead them into. When they seem fixated on breaking your heart, what do you do? That's when you love them extravagantly. That's when you love them extravagantly. What about your spouse when he or she is cold, spiteful, digging in to anger and bitterness? I have no personal reference for this. I'm just thinking about what it might be like. When that happens, when they have purposely pushed you away and are pushing your buttons, do not respond in kind. That is when you love extravagantly. When your friend acts like anything but a friend, they leave you hanging, they stab you in the back, they hurt you in all the ways that only a friend knows how to do. Do you know what I'm talking about? When they do that and they do not reciprocate in any way, shape, or form, that is when you love extravagantly because that is the gospel. Because that's how Jesus loves us. Not when we least deserve it, when we actively fight against deserving it, when we were enemies, he loved us the most. And when he loves through us, we'll love extravagantly to those who least deserve it when they least expect it in quantities that can only be explained through God loving another one through us. There's a seminarian in Chicago who was driving a bus at night to pay his expenses. It was a bad neighborhood. One night he picked up three gang members who refused to pay. At the next stop, there was a police officer. He stopped, explained to the officer what had happened. 
the officer escorted the gang members off the bus. The gang members took exception to this and knew where the bus route ended and were there when he ended his route. They beat him and left him for dead. Uh, an ambulance came. Somebody came along, brought him to the hospital. He was revived. They caught the guys because the officer had seen them. At the hearing, after they had been sentenced, the seminarian still stitched and bound and, and casted up, asked to speak. He said, Judge, I would like for you to add up all the time that these young men are being sentenced to, and I would ask that you allow me to serve it for them on their behalf. And the judge was indignant, and he says, we can't do this. There is no precedent. He said, yes, there was. That is exactly how Jesus loved me. Love extravagantly to those who least deserve it, least expect it. Number two, if you're taking notes, love expensively. 1 John 3, 16 through 17 by this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods, sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Here we're saying, if it, it gets practical. You know, if somebody's hungry, don't say, I'm going to pray for you. Feed them and pray for them. He's saying, it's not just words, it's not just talk. When somebody loses everything in a fire... You don't just say, oh gosh, we're glad you're alive. You start meeting the need and praying and being a blessing. So let's turn it up. There's stuff left on the list. If anybody has anything that the world has and sees, sees somebody in need and hangs on, says me having this is more important than me communicating the word of God, the love of God to somebody else by giving them myself sacrificially, then you don't know God. Release. Why? Because it's all his. It's his stuff that he calls the shots for, for his purposes, and we're just holding it. Hold it loosely. And when somebody needs it, pour it out. I have never met a person. I'm trying to move quick. We're going to get you out. I have never met a person who has heard this call of God on their life, who loves God so much, knows how much God loves them and, and is calling them to love other people who has taken this to the bank and given so much that they have given themselves into abject poverty. I don't know anybody like that. I think that's for two reasons. One, because you can't outgive God. And once you start doing that, he likes what you're doing, so he keeps pouring other stuff through you. Second is this. I don't know if anybody, myself included, who really believes that enough to step out in faith and say, it's all yours. Your stuff, you call the shots for your purposes, your glory, to communicate your love to anybody. I'm holding life like this in a world that holds it like this. And in that, maybe people will see you. Maybe people will love you and let you love them. Okay, thirdly, don't only love extravagantly. Don't only love expensively. Love endlessly. Now, I'm not referring to the awful 1981 movie, Endless Love. I'd rather smell burning hair than see that movie again. Uh, an early Brooke Shields movie. She started in it with another guy 
who didn't work again, I don't think. Big surprise there. She went on to marry Andre Agassi. I don't know which is worse. But in it, she loves this guy who's in high school, and he ends up burning down their house. It's not a plot spoiler. You need a plot to have a plot spoiler. <laughs> love endlessly. What we're talking about is love that never gives up, that never gives out, that goes the distance, that's in it for the long haul, that is marathon after Iron Man after marathon kind of love. You can't make me stop loving because you can't control the love God's pouring into me. The depth of that reservoir is incalculable. I will never say I don't have enough because he does. All right. Romans 8, 38 to 39. That's the kind of love God has for us, for I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come. It's going the distance from everlasting to everlasting. Keep going. Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If his love never ends and he's living in us, our love never ends. Our love never ends. How is this? What keeps us from loving this way? It's risky. You know why? Because people don't return it. And so we stop. Our children don't love us like we love them, so we're going to pull back. Our spouse doesn't love us in return, so we're going to stop. Our friends don't love us in the way we think they should, so we're going to stop. That does not preach the gospel. That does not evidence Jesus loving eternally from everlasting to everlasting. You stop loving me, tough. You're going to get loved all your life. You're not going to fill me with the love I think I have I am due and reciprocated, that's okay. You know why? Because your reciprocation is not what I depend on. That's not my source. Jesus is my source. And as long as he's pouring it out, I'm pouring it out. This marriage isn't going down the drain. This child is never going to be unloved. This friend is not going to be alone. And this world will never cry out, who will love me? As long as Jesus is in my heart and I have another breath, I'm here. That's us. That's a church. I want to love that way. I want you to love that way. I want all of us to love that way. Because that love changes families, friendships, neighborhoods, cities, valleys, colleges, the world. There is no problem that we are facing in our lives or in our world that isn't conquered by Jesus' love. And one day, he'll come back and realize that in his kingdom. And until then, we receive it and we pour it out. It's that simple. There's no lukewarm lovers in the kingdom. Be passionate. Go big come home so that you can. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your indescribable, inexhaustible, unbelievable love for us. Not some future version of us, but right here, right now. 
and paying the price so that we could come home and be forgiven and free and filled and sent. And Lord, right now, you say in your word, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. That's what you did for us. And that's what we celebrate in the Lord's Supper. Lord, there are a number of us here, some that have never hooked up to your love, have never received your love from the cross, forgiveness, freedom, paying the price as our substitute. We can't pour it out because we haven't been filled with it. We want to be followers of you. There are those of you who haven't taken that step of faith, but feel you calling, hear you calling. Lord, you've revealed in this time your great love, and there are some here who want to receive it for the first time and follow you. If that's you, I just ask you in the quiet, slip your hand up to God. He will meet you. God bless you. You want to receive his love? Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray. God, thank you for opening our eyes, opening our hearts, opening our minds to the great love that you showed by being the propitiation, the sacrifice, enduring the punishment for our sins so that you could call us home and fill us with love so that we might know you and be filled by you as you live in us and love others through us. I want to live for you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for dying for me so that I can live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. There are other believers here <clears throat> who have received the love of God but have shut off the valves of it going out to others or just directing it to certain people. We have time to make that right. We have believers who are not trusting in the reservoir of Jesus' love to overcome all of the hate, all of the woundedness, all of the need in their lives. We have a chance to make that real, to invite him in to heal us. We celebrate the greatest love that has ever been known. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, gave it to his friends. He broke it, gave it to his friends, thank God. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you so that you can be whole. And when you take it, I want you to remember that. Remember me. And after supper was over, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of my blood, the blood of a new and everlasting covenant of love. This blood will be shed for you and for all so that sins can be forgiven. That's the good news. And when you drink it, remember that. Remember me. That's what we do. So we're remembering that we are called the beloved because he paid the price. And in that, we get sent out to go call people 
and tell them that they are the beloved. It's a pretty great thing. Take some time to figure out where you are in response to receiving God's love and sharing God's love. Confess to him, repent to him, come home to him, and then come up and receive. If you have something you want to pray about, if you want to receive Christ for the first time as you receive the elements, I'll be up here. Um, We'll have some other people up here. Alita will be up here if you need some prayer. We'll do that. Let's pray. It is open to you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been washed, if you've been filled, if you've been saved. If not, come pray with us and you can be and then we'll receive it together. Pray and then come receive when you're ready.